0: Hello everyone, Rainy here back with another episode of Playing With Myself on the Internet, Colossal Episode 7. And it's actually been a couple weeks for me. I was doing one episode a week and I kind of batch recorded a few there uh, during the holidays and New Year. So I am super excited to jump back into this because we left on a crazy cliffhanger uh, in Episode 6. So before we dive into a recap, and get right into it. I'm trying to get into it quickly today. I do just wanna say, if you're listening to this the day that it drops on Friday, January 27th, please hop on Twitch tonight and come check us out as we start our first long series playing RuneQuest's six seasons in Sartar campaign. Christian's going to be running it. He loves that system and the lore, so you know that that passion and that excitement is gonna come through. We've all been kind of talking about our characters getting ready for this session zero and we're going to map out our relationships and who knows what and how we all know each other and stuff like that it sounds like a really cool time and if you are among the many RPG people who are trying to separate yourself from Dungeons and Dragons amidst all of this OGL drama and stuff like that RuneQuest is a great almost I think just as old or older than Dungeons and Dragons itself fantasy role-playing game has quite a different feel. It is Bronze Age, so much more like mythological, less high fantasy sword and sorcery kind of thing. Feel free to come check it out, and hopefully, you know, we show you yet another game you should be playing. But, speaking of games you should be playing, and games you can play without anybody else, let's talk about Colossal. Last time, Marco, Berger, and Alice were making their way towards the plateau depicted on Marco's familial map. That plateau that has very conspicuously that strange spiral shape that is also on Berger. They were so close. They were getting there. They were making their way. They'd been warned by Yolaris, a fellow hunter from the Hunter's Guild back in Rust Gorge, not to go there. We found out that he's actually a spy a plant by the Hunter's Guild to find out what's going on in that plateau. There seems to be some kind of rookling factory or some kind of massive rook that's been disabled and is maybe being manipulated or taken advantage of in some way. Well, let's not worry about that really. I'm thinking too much about it because as we approached this plateau, we were not only met by a fellow adventurer, a human, a mounted class out in the dunes as we approached it but there was also a half submerged half destroyed rook that seemingly was trapped or armed in some way to act as like a defense system and amidst the scuffle between both of those and our protagonists a gargoyle swooped down from the mists that kind of surround this strange plateau that we found out is a pillar It is the base of a pillar going all the way up remember the Roomlands. colossal is an actual the whole world is the inside of a unbelievably large castle so we have a beam like a structural beam that goes all the way up to the rafters the rafters are a jungle like habitat kind of near the roof of the colossal and when we were pulled up there by a gargoyle, we were deposited in its nest. A distraction allowed Marco Berger and Alice to escape, and we did one exploration phase up in the rafters. We came across multiple other gargoyle nests, and we found strange new life forms up in the rafters. But most importantly, we had consulted the oracles about what's the arc up here going to be? How is this going to tie into the story? And, as always with Colossal, one great thing about when you make your character in the very beginning, you have a calling. Always, if you can, try and tie things back into it. And we found that we described this column, this pillar, this structural column, right, that goes up to the rafters, as potentially like an elevator that can be activated, right? Marco's familial map had this marked, and there was a key. The hypothesis at the moment is that maybe this key allows one to get inside of this, and you can safely ascend up to the rafters and beyond, to the Battlements, a mythical place in the world of Colossal, where it is rumored all adventurers, all people of the Roomlands go when they die. However, when we got up there, we consulted the oracles and found that we could build a little mini-arc for the rafters. And we got three cards that said assist a group of cultists with a twist explosion and we kind of wove this tale about Marco's family being part of this cult in a not negative connotation way that believe that the battlements are somewhere that people can go there is something up there beyond the colossal that we all know i'm not sure what the beliefs are Marco himself doesn't probably know his parents did not initiate him in this but Just as Marco, Berger, and Alice were escaping this gargoyle nest and making their way through the rafters for the first time, we came across a skylight, a window beyond the rafters that could go up and connect to the battlements, and we found out that it was shattered and the glass shattered. That is the twist, the explosion. I think what we're going to do is we're going to start this episode with that explosion. Climbing their way over moss-covered stones, and ducking beneath vines and large leaves, vegetation native to these jungles of the rafters, encountering strange insect-like animals, dog-sized ants, mist, moths, and butterflies, and all types of strange creatures, sneaking their way past gargoyle nest after gargoyle nest, hoping for some sign of life or a way down or a way out. The light up here is kind of strange. It exists, but it's not like downstairs where the lights that hang from the rafters themselves provide light to the roomlands. Here, it's almost like a... At the moment, anyway, it's nighttime. I think we see through the skylight and there are stars, unlike any Marco and Alice have ever seen. And there is that strange... It catches their eye for a moment with the skylight, the window out into the battlements. And as they're both taking a moment to look at it, that's when we hear piercing the night in the jungles of the rafters, a shattering of this skylight causes shards of glass to fall from the ceiling from what is presumably the battlements beyond. And as these glass shards fall into the rafters, we see not only the vegetation kind of Flying from all over the place, but we hear the shrieks of gargoyles and other strange creatures as they flutter out of their nests. They begin flying all over. Wildlife and everything up here is just startled, and things get very strange very quickly. And Marco and Berger and Alice don't know what to do. But if they're going to do anything, they should make their way to this area. If nothing else, it might be a way out. There might be more people here. And if it's dangerous, they can hopefully turn around or hide and not have to worry about anything. But at the moment, they don't know how to get out of here. So any source of activity is worth looking into. I'm going to say that we're going to do at least one exploration phase as Marco, Berger, and Alice attempt to traverse the rafters to get to this location. I think that the rafters exploration tables should be used. And what we can do is we can learn more about up here And we can find if there are maybe more interesting ways we can tie this whole story together. We did not get a Night's Rest in, which we have been using as kind of a slow regeneration of Marco's abilities. So at the moment, Marco's exploration score is still only four. However, conveniently, after last session, I used all of the cards from the deck. So I have a freshly shuffled deck here, and we are going to open up this episode with another exploration phase in the rafters, flipping four cards to make our way towards this skylight. Here it goes. We're going to flip four cards. A five of clubs, a seven of diamonds, a nine of hearts, and a two of clubs. As is tradition, let's go in ascending order and see what we got. The two of clubs says a clue. You come across a structure clearly built by human hands. It is a small wooden shack with a roof and a door. Because it is clubs and not spades, it says a cultist is inside. If it's okay. Excited, sorry. If there's a cultist inside, you will have to beat them in a fight before you can enter and get the clue. Inside, you will find papers and diagrams showing gargoyles and their nests. So this is a clue... Like we talked about earlier, uh, when you're up here, if we find clues in our exploration phases, we can use those clues to uncover the secrets of the gargoyles. When we return to a nest, we can turn those clues in to trigger another scene or something interesting. But I haven't peeked ahead, so I don't know what that might be yet. All right, so we find a wooden shack with a cultist. D five of clubs says, another clue! You find yourself at the foot of one of the towering thin mountains peppered with small gargoyle nests strange unfamiliar words are carved into the rock here and there is a pile of small rounded stones that all have a single symbol carved into them you've seen that symbol before you're sure of it because again it is clubs and not spades it says you hear noises nearby it is not safe oh i love this there's more strange languages and where have i seen the symbol i think i know where we've seen that symbol All right, let's go to the red cards. Our seven of diamonds. A swift gargoyle swoops down towards you. If you notice it, you can choose to avoid it. If it catches you by surprise, read the description for swift gargoyles. Oh boy. And it's diamonds, so of course it catches us. And our last card is the nine of hearts. And it is our third clue. So we've already gotten the clues we need about these gargoyles. We are all over their nests up here. We must have been dropped in a very uh, suburban gargoyle area. Very populated. But here goes. You enter a clearing in the jungle and come across a person in cultist robes preparing to saddle on the back of a swift gargoyle. Oh, this is awesome. If they notice you, the cultist leaps onto the gargoyle and takes flight, disappearing from view. If they don't notice you, which the hearts says they don't, you can choose to fight the cultist. If you do, the gargoyle will flee. If you win the fight, you can draw for an item on the item table. Now see, unfortunately, last time, I kind of made these cultists potential allies, and everything that these tables are suggesting would mean I'm supposed to be fighting them. However, I think we can spin this regardless. Let's take a second and see if we can figure out how to weave all four of these cards together. All right, I think I got this, and I think this is going to be awesome. So here goes. We just talked about how Marco, Berger, and Alice were trekking their way through these jungles. They are getting used to the strange terrain, the strange roots that kind of wrap around rocks and seemingly float on these rafters sometimes, and they are ducking beneath vines or using them for stability as they cross these strange rafters in this jungle. Not long after they hear the shattering of the skylight, and choose to go investigate, do they find a clearing? We see a clearing in the jungle, and it is surrounded by strange, clearly man-made wooden structures, and the clearing is wide enough in the canopy that gargoyles can clearly swoop down into here no problem. Those wooden structures almost look like giant perches, and sure enough, that is what it is, as we see a cultist who is grabbing a bunch of items, kind of frantically. They turn their back on Marco, Berger, and Alice, who are hiding underneath some large leaves towards the edge of the clearing. And this cultist rushes towards the swift gargoyle. At first, Marco, Berger, and Alice are confused. They don't know why why would this cultist approach this gargoyle. Gargoyles swoop down and they take people. And I think... I'm going to flip a card, I'm actually going to consult the oracles, whether or not Alice would feel, our brave, adventurous Alice, whether or not she'd call out, thinking she needed to warn this adventurer, cultist or not. So, let's go ahead and flip that one card, consult the oracle. As always, the reminder, red cards are no's, with a spectrum from no and it's worse, to no but there's an upside, and black cards are yes, with complications all the way to yes with a bonus. We're going to flip, and I got a six of diamonds, which is just a flat no. So I think as Alice is debating to jump out, I think Marco claps his hand over her mouth and kind of holds her and says, no, 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 let's watch. And sure enough, this cultist approaches the gargoyle and whistles. We see the swift turn its kind of drill-like wizard's tower-looking head towards the cultist And kind of stretch its stony body before it jumps from its perch and allows this cultist to mount it. And this mounted cultist is about to fly out of the clearing. I don't think Marco Berger and Alice are going to interact with them. We still don't really have information about this cult. We, the listeners, and me have ideas about the story. But Marco, Berger, and Alice have yet to really have an interaction with these cultists. They have no idea what's going on up here. So, yet another thing to follow, as sure enough, this cultist is absolutely going to be flying in the direction of that skylight. Marco, Berger, and Alice quickly run out into this clearing and try their best to follow the flight path of this gargoyle and whoever is riding it, and they manage to get a pretty good Direction that leads them towards some of those thin mountains that are prevalent within the rafters. And slowly the jungle fades away and it just becomes stones. And the trees kind of change like it would be from a lush, humid jungle full of large leaved tropical trees to more like, I don't want to say evergreens. But they're more spaced out, kind of like how old growth pine forests are spaced out large old trees with not a lot of undergrowth. It becomes more of like a, we talked about the mist, the mist that kind of dissipates from beneath the rafters as it approaches the much warmer, hotter canyonlands below. I think that there's a mist above this area as well. So it's like this misty, boulder, rocky kind of forest as it approaches those thin mountain ranges. And we're going to play both of our black cards together. So we had the two of clubs and the five of clubs, which is we come across that wooden shack that contains a cultist. And this is at the foot of one of those towering thin mountains. As Marco Berger and Alice approach this, they are curious. So I think Alice, again, struggling not to be super chatty this whole time she's probably been talking but in places like this marco is typically on the cautious side but she walks forward and just goes oh my god i can't believe it this is definitely made by people people have been up here i've heard stories of gargoyles kidnapping people and flying them off into the sky but they either turn into heroic stories or you know tales to terrify children so they don't roam too far I can't believe it there are people up here Marco there are people who've lived up here they've seen things imagine the answers we can get if we could find a way down we can bring information oh my goodness this is incredible and marco being cautious kind of quickens his pace as they approach this this shack this cabin and he says we don't know if people survived or if this was just and at that moment the door opens from the inside, and a cultist sticks their head out and says, Oh, no, we we are alive up here. We know a way down, too, but there's too much work to be done. Now, tell me what you're doing up here, because I don't have time for an orientation. Big things are happening in the rafters. Marco's jaw drops. Burger as always, kind of huddles behind Marco. And the cultist looks at the three of them and just says, wow, um sorry, that came out wrong. What I mean to say is, I've really got to go, but feel free to make yourself at home here or... And Marco cuts him off and says, what happened to that window in the sky? And the cultist looks and says, you saw that, did you? Well, yep. That's uh, that's what we're working on. You can see the battlements from here. And we're going to find out what's up there. And Alice... <laughs> I think Alice reflexively just slaps. Backhand, just backhands Marco in excitement. And she just goes, Did you hear that? Oh my goodness, we could be legends. The, the rafters? The battlements? This is all I could hope for. And the man looks at her and just goes, This isn't a vacation. This is dangerous stuff. And Alice says, Me and my friend have taken down a rook from the inside, we have traversed the canyon lands, and we have been dragged by a gargoyle up into the rafters against our will, snuck out of its nest, and found our way to you. I think you can trust us to protect ourselves. And the cultist kind of smiles. And for the first time, I think he looks down and sees Berger. And he says, All that, and you're accompanied by a rookling with one of the celestial glyphs. Who are you three? A short conversation ensues, which results in this cultist unfortunately telling Marco, Berger, and Alice that up here, those who've survived and made a small community have done so by working together, and it is possible to train gargoyles for. Riding. It's not a perfect system, but it takes a bond. And unfortunately, he does not have gargoyles for these three to just hop onto and follow him to the source of the explosion. So he does tell our protagonist that there is a mostly safe mountain path, a ridge that kind of switches back and forth and makes its way through these thin, jagged mountains. And it's not far, maybe a couple hours through the mountains, and they will find themselves basically approaching beneath this skylight. He lets them know that there are a few bits of food provisions within the shack that they are welcome to take and looks down at Burger one last time. Gets down, kind of crouches down, and he looks at Burger and he looks at Marco, who has taken off the helm, so that way he can see this cultist's face and vice versa. And the cultist looks at Marco and says, I don't think you realize how rare it is that a rookling bearing this glyph would even find its way down to wherever it is you're from, but also that it would bond with you. Trust this little one. And he gives a similar whistle. To which a, one of the normal gargoyles, the, the Gnarled, swoop down and allow this cultist to basically piggyback on it. And he again says, I hope to see you all there. Best of luck. And he flies off in the direction of the skylight. Now we do have one more card from our exploration phase, which is going to complicate things. Marco, Berger, and Alice begin traversing the the precarious mountain path that weaves its way through these tall, thin mountains. I think there are sections of it where it has fallen away to scree and just loose boulders, and there are portions where they need to basically repel and rock climb across gaps, luckily. Alice does have a grappling hook arm, so they do relatively well. But I think that grappling hook arm is also what is going to potentially cause a problem. Because as she, at one point, launches off the grappling hook and embeds it into a portion of the mountain, so that way they can swing their way across, that's what attracts one of these gargoyles. Now, we did determine that it is a swift which are those serpentine-like gargoyles. They have thinner wings, and they are almost dragon-like with that conical head. So I think, ooh, this is actually troublesome, because these aren't big enough to grab all three of our protagonists. Oh no! Okay, here's how we're going to handle this. I'm going to flip one card, and I have written down here a couple of things. Since there are 13 cards per suit in a deck of cards, I have split it up into 4, 4, 4, and then King, which is the highest card you can pull in Colossal. So, if I pull an Ace, 2, 3, or 4, this Swift grabs Marco. Lowest card's worst results, right? If I grab a 5, 6, 7, or 8, it will snatch Alice. And if I flip a nine, ten, jack, or queen, it will grab burger. If I flip a king, I'm going to allow my party a chance to act before it gets too far or before it grabs anyone. Let's see how this goes. Oh boy, one card. It is a nine. So that would be burger. Oh my gosh, that makes all the sense. I just remembered in our clue. For the five of clubs, it says, at the foot of one of these towering thin mountains, there are a pile of small rounded stones that have a single symbol carved into them. We've seen the symbol. It is not the spiral with the line from the center out to one of the corners that is marked on Berger and that was on Marco's familial map. It is one of the other symbols. It's a diamond That has three vertical lines, one perfectly through the center and the other two slightly offset and shorter. And the symbol at first resonates with Marco and he understands, oh, okay, there are other columns or something. He's starting to put together this is basically access to the rafters. However, what he doesn't realize is that those symbols must mean something greater. We haven't put that together yet. And when this gargoyle sees Berger. Maybe it's almost like that symbol. It's just simply why Berger is targeted. Now, okay. Alice has just secured her grappling hook to a section of this ridge, and they are preparing to swing themselves across. However, as Marco has his back turned, his... Rumble Helm is not going to help him from a threat from the sky. Marco has ice and rumble magic, is not aware of what is about to happen. And this Swift just dive bombs and scoops up Berger. I think I'm going to... Because what the prompt says from the exploration phase is that this Swift is going to deposit Berger onto the next rafter. So a rafter, even an adjacent one, is probably quite a distance away within the context of this game. So to avoid a crazy splitting of the party, what I'm going to do is I'm going to allow Burger to make one attack against this Swift Gargoyle. I'm going to flip one card for the Gargoyle, one card for Burger. If Burger wins, basically the Swift is going to drop it. And even within the Roomland Supplement, it says... Any attack against a gargoyle is likely to make it flee. They are very swift. They are ambush predators. That's it. They're not going to stick around for long fights. Maybe a Hulk would, but this is a swift. So we're going to flip two cards. Burger versus gargoyle. And then if Burger wins, we're also going to have to consult the Oracle to see if they land in any kind of safe place. So flipping the cards, we're going to flip for Burger first and then flip for the gargoyle. So, our first card is a Ten of Hearts, which is a magic attack. That is a good card for Burger to pick. And then we're going to flip for the Gargoyle, Ace of Diamonds, the lowest you can get. It is creative, but that is a low card. Burger, easily, I think it's a combination of ice and rumble magic as they just kind of freeze this Gargoyle and then the rumble shakes its grip on Burger. And Burger is now dropping from the sky in these thin, towering mountains. We're going to consult the Oracle. And flip to say, does Berger fall somewhere that is going to cause the party to have to go rescue him? So, hopefully, actually, this is going to be a red card for a no. And it is an eight of hearts no. Uh, I think that Berger, luckily being a rookling made of stone and whatever strange mechanical features these rooks are made out of their magic... Drops, And I think he does hit one of those just scree slopes. So that's like loose rubble and things that have eroded and ice has chipped away when you see like falling rocks from cliff faces and that shatters into smaller pieces and it just creates those stony slopes. I think Berger hits that and it doesn't sound good. It doesn't look good. But Berger kind of rolls, take rolls with it. And, you know what, I think we get one of those great scenes where Marco and Alice are terrified. They look down and they are glad that Berger escapes the grip, and then they watch him, and they just hear the crunch of Rookling on stone as he just rolls down this hill. Marco begins climbing down, and after all is said and done, and Berger has come to a halt at the bottom of the slope, they slowly just stand up. They've taken a bit of a beating. Some of their stony texture is definitely scuffed and beat up, but they just stand up and throw out (laughs) with those big... Icy hands they just throw out a big thumbs up, oh yeah that's that's my flavor of dumb after the unfortunate incident with the swift Marco Berger and Alice are much more conscientious of their surroundings as they continue to make their way through these mountains. What is interesting is that again, unlike. The room lands below, which do have a night and day cycle based on the lights that hang from the rafters. The sky beyond the battlements is in a constant twilight. The lights range from pitch black, dark nights full of clear skies to cloudy to just beginning to show that purple and the blues of sunrise or sunset before you ever get the light. The cultists said it is a few hours. I think that the skylight, which we talked about before, being a night sky with unfamiliar stars to Marco Berger and Alice, I think they are able to still see that skylight out in the distance, not far. But I think because of the setback, I'm going to say it's going to be one more exploration phase. This is. A difficult area to traverse. First the rafters, a brand new jungle-like experience, and now these strange, thin, towering mountains within the jungle. So, we're going to do one more exploration phase. And we're going to hopefully arrive at the site of the skylight. And then if we make it to the battlements, we'll discuss what that means. Probably set up that and... End the episode there for next episode, which will be arriving in the battlements. And then, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's flip one more, exploration phase. Four cards, still have not gotten our rest in. We have a five of spades this time, a four of spades, a six of spades, I wish I was playing poker, and a jack of diamonds. So, one more exploration phase. In ascending order here, we have the Four of Spades. A gnarled gargoyle swoops down towards you. If you notice it, you can choose to avoid it. Luckily, because it is spades, we do notice it, and that makes all the sense. We just said Marco Berger and Alice are way more cautious and hyper-vigilant about their surroundings. So, they realize that these mountains, these thin spire-like mountains, are dangerous, and this gnarled gargoyle makes a pass at them. But this is also kind of an interesting, the nerdy biologist in me, natural observation kind of thing, wildlife observation. The cultists can train these gargoyles to ride them. There's a bond that is related to it, so there's no shortage of gargoyles up here, but finding the right one, oof, that must be pretty difficult. Secondly, we have another five, except this time it's spades and not clubs, so we find ourselves in those mountains peppered with gargoyle nests strange unfamiliar words carved into the rock and there's a pile of small rounded stones that have a single symbol carved into them and we've seen the symbol i think it's probably that same diamond i think maybe where we came up to the rafters and where we are in the rafters now maybe it is where another one of those symbols would have ascended from a different room so then we're going to go to six of spades. You look up and you can see a hole in the ceiling above you. Oh, okay. Well, hold on now. Through it, you can see the clouds of a sky in a room above yours. The edges of the hole show fences that the people of that room have clearly erected for safety. If there is a vine, you can climb it to enter another room. Refer to the base rule book. Okay. And it does say a vine hangs down from the hole. Okay. So this is a second hole in the ceiling. This is not the skylight, but this goes up to a second floor of the Colossal. This is definitely worth remembering because, again, when we found that skylight the first time, it leads out to the battlements. So there are lower and upper battlements. We don't know how many floors of the Colossal there are, but oh, my goodness. Okay. That's interesting. Another room upstairs. Maybe that's the symbol. Maybe they're not only pointing out places you can access the rafters, but places you can go, basically, to new floors. Because any of those are presumably closer to the battlements. So, again, oh man, this cult is like a, let's prove heaven is real, but also, let's find out what, quote-unquote, everyone is calling heaven really is in the battlements very interesting. And our last card is a jack which is actually the luckiest card we can pull because it just says a jack you find an item consult the item table. So let's go ahead and flip for that. And we have a 10 of diamonds which says Ooh, a map. Oh my goodness. We're just a we're just a map gang here everybody. Marco the map man. And that actually makes sense based on the interactions we had at Rust Gorge with Drea, the cartographer and leader of the Hunters Guild. This seems like a very reasonable thing for Marco to be interested in, and just so happens we find another map. This, presumably, maybe, of the rafters. If we can cross reference this with the roomlands below. Ooh, this is actually very valuable. All right, and following that, I think that. We've made it through an exploration phase, and we have arrived beneath the skylight. Now we need to figure out who's here, what's here, and how do we get to the battlements. Marco, Berger, and Alice arrive, calmly walking out into what is a small gathering of People in similar outfits. These are the cultists that have made their way up to and live in the rafters. There are gargoyles perched around or flying in the distance, but for the most part, it doesn't look like many of them have made their way towards the battlements. They are holding a heated discussion. And as Marco, Berger, and Alice make their entrance, it becomes hushed and they all turn their attention to the three strange newcomers. I'm going to make two NPCs really quick. One is going to be the cultist that we met at the shack, and the other is going to be the leader. So first, let's build the cultist, as always, NPC table in the Roomland Supplement book. I'm going to flip three cards. It'll give us their name, their look, and their characteristic. I did give the cultist that we met at the shack he, him pronouns, so let's see what happens. We got a three, so their name is Beric. Their look is another three, scarred, sure, and their look is ace, a joker always quipping. Oh, so they were serious when we met them because basically the ceiling just shattered and, oh, it's time. But here, among their own, maybe they're kind of a smartass. All right, next we have our leader of this cultist group. And their name is Queen Renine, Ooh, close to my name, Renine. And she is seven, wild and feral. Look, and their characteristic is Jack, shrewd, quiet, and brooding. Yeah, nope, those are two very different people. <laughs> okay, so I can all I can already see how this is going. Renine looks and says. Who are you, three? I've never seen you before, and I know these jungles like the back of my hand. Beric speaks up and says, Oh my god, you actually made it? Wow. And he turns to Renine and he says, Now, before you jump to any conclusions, he says, Boy, show her your rookling. And Marco Cautiously begins stepping forward. Alice walking forward confidently. And she says, who are we? That's Marco. This is Berger. And I'm Alice. And we've seen things you couldn't even imagine, lady. And she scoffs and begins to speak when Marco urges Berger forward. And her words get caught in her mouth. And she looks over at Beric. And he smirks and goes, yeah, I mean, if you're looking for a sign, right? And she turns back to the trio and she looks at Marco and she says, who are you? A celestial? And Marco looks at Berger, like the old friend he's had for however many months the two have probably been together. And Berger looks at Marco with a reassuring, I promise I'm not that big of a deal, kind of thing. And Marco says, I don't know what you all mean when you say celestials. I just know Berger here, he means something to me that he probably doesn't mean to you. The glyph? I thought it was fate. It's on my family's map. So's the one with the diamonds that we saw in the ridge, but I didn't know what they meant. I just, I thought that I needed to go out and find out. And they look at Marco, and there's a smattering of other cultists here, probably less than a dozen. And Renine looks at Marco and says, I don't know who your family is, boy, but very few know the truth of these glyphs. I'm not even sure I know the truth, but I have a feeling. And my feelings have gotten me this far. Those glyphs are sacred. They're pillars that ascend to the heavens. And she looks up through the skylight, and she says, There are answers for our people. For why rooks roam below, gargoyles roam the jungles and the rafters. And we just pick scraps wherever we can find them. They're up there. And I plan to find out. And Beric kind of, he doesn't roll his eyes. He takes this just as seriously. But he, he lightens the mood. You heard the kid. He wants answers just like we do. And not for nothing, Renine, this kid's got a rookling. And clearly they can handle themselves. I sent them through the mountains, kind of on a prayer, and they showed up not long after the rest of us. And Renine says, You want answers, kid? Who am I to stop you? She lifts her head. All the cultists look up through the skylight and say, Let's go get some answers. And that's where we're going to end it. Next time, we will ascend to the battlements and we will find out what lies above the Roomlands and what is on the roof of the Colossal. What is the truth up there? Not only that, we did find our three clues, so if we are going to descend eventually and come back through the rafters, we can find out the truth about the Gargoyles and hopefully get back down to the Roomlands for just a nice, simpler life, I think. You know this is why adventurers retire and hang up the old adventuring gear and just start taverns as always thank you all so much for coming and listening to uh, some solo play colossal goodness i hope that it is continuing to show you that you can just flip cards and try and weave together fun stories play more solo games play games with your friends get ideas from solo games Um, Hopefully, if you're listening to this, you also check out our group streams. We are going to be running RuneQuest for quite some time. Hopefully, I think I've convinced actually a few of the DMs to do some solo game exploration of their own, so maybe we'll be hearing what the other DMs do when they're left to their own devices playing their own games. That would be really cool, and in the future, I'd like to have them on or other people on, as guests for co-op moments in these games like with alice there are rules here in colossal to play two players so hopefully maybe in the future we can do some of that but if you like what we do here at dms after dark follow us on the social medias we post a lot of just mostly reminders of podcast drops episode drops streaming dates and things like that but we are always trying to interact with people more we try and get RPG discussions going and ask questions and things like that, if you want to communicate with us directly, feel free to email us at dmsafterdark at gmail.com. We love getting emails and getting back to people, and we've gotten a couple emails recently about people who are enjoying Jess's Honor and Intrigue series, which was awesome. And it's honestly so reassuring. It's something that we did a few months ago, but I'm still so proud is out there that Especially in this time, when there's a lot of people looking for new games. I hope that if you find a game, Google it. I hope that if we've played it, you give it a shot and see what the game is like in action. That's what this is all about. That's what we want to do is just provide examples for people to watch how a game is played, what experience it brings to the table, and hopefully it inspires you to play it with your friends. Anyway, I'm not as good at this as Sarah, as always. I do slightly apologize for the name of this series, but I've committed to it, so here we are. Until next time, don't judge a cult by its... cover? Eh, sure. Bye. You find yourself at the foot of one of the towering, thin mountains, peppered with smart. Uh.